Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Making History Dope Again. In this episode, we are examining the health and the life of John F. Kennedy. In many ways, this story is going to feel very personal because we're going to start with his early life, go through his military service, his time uh, in, in, in Congress, and ultimately go through his time in the White House looking through the lens of, of his health, um, his administration, and the efforts using the media to cover up his very ill health. This is a story that you don't think of when you think of John F. Kennedy. We think of his inspiration, we think of his hair, his debate performance. We think of how he literally painted a, a optimistic vision for a generation of young Americans. We don't think about the fact that he was in constant pain. So I think this is an important personal story and I hope you stay tuned with us today. What's up, gentlemen? Good morning. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Or good, good, morning. good whatever time it is for you out yeah. there. It's morning for us. It's, it's an early one for us. It's an early. Uh, coffee's on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is this? Uh, Lewis and Clark, uh, Clark brand coffee? Yeah. My uh, shout out to my aunt. Uh, those of you who've been long listeners to so the podcast. Proper. He says aunt. Yeah. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I always said aunt until I met my wife, and now I say aunt. So she has, uh, she has She's made me uppity. Giving so. you some class. This is the way. Okay. Yeah, I was certainly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like was, I was a West Side peasant until I met her, and now I'm an East Side uh, enlightened gentleman. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just nice. kidding. Wait. Yeah. So does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I, interpret I, that I, as I you will. Off. Yeah. Thank yeah. you to uh, thank you to Andrew's aunt. Uh, shout out because this is delicious coffee. Yeah, yeah. Sergeant Floyd's French roast. Yeah, so it's a Lewis and Clark. Uh, I think it's the Heritage Foundation or something like that. Uh, what's what's it called? Uh, it says Jumpy Monkey. Jumpy Monkey. Oh, okay, that's not the title. <laughs> uh, that might be the name uh, of the, uh, the Lu- beans. Lewis, maybe. Lewis and Clark's Trail Heritage Foundation. Heritage Foundation. There we go. Uh, and so oh. this is yeah the French roast. So it's it goes bad. to the it's like good. proceeds from selling this coffee go to the foundation. Uh yeah, I, I believe so. so. Yeah. At least uh, or they partnered with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's very so. cool. Uh, so, guys, uh, it's summertime. Living's easy, um, and here we are, early in the morning, talking history, man. Dude, uh, like, what else do you want to do in the summertime? Ugh, I mean, this is this is like our, this is like our love language is like talking history, man. Yeah, it really is. It's like, what do you do for fun? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Uh, I do want to give a couple shout outs. Uh, first of all, I want to give a uh, a shout out to uh, Mr. Mike Hot. A uh, good friend of the podcast. Yes. Uh, I think he owns most of the merch shirts. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. He actually uh, he he requested we release a uh, Eleanor shirt for his daughter, uh, and so he nice. the, the whole Hot family. This is a shout out for you guys. Uh, but anyways, uh, Michael Very- Hot went on vacation, uh, and uh, he was wearing his Make History Dope Again shirt. I think it was maybe his Rosa Parks one. It was one of them. Um, and when he was checking into their hotel. And uh, one of the ladies uh, checking them in was like, hey, I've, I've, I've listened to that podcast before. And wow, so we want to awesome. give a shout wow. out uh, to the, uh, the uh, receptionist at the Drury Inn, uh, as well as to the Hot family. 
And uh, nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for making history dope, guys. Thanks for making history dope. Man. That is crazy. I'm I'm still blown away. You told us about that. I'm still blown away. It's it's cool. I mean, it, it's weird having a uh, you know a, a podcast that you know we oftentimes think that like our friends and family, maybe some of our students listen, but you know you have this weird reach you know where like people who've never met you and let's be honest probably never will meet us can can listen to you and i don't know we when we do this we're literally just sitting in a room we're all good friends and we're just talking what we love and i think it's weird to think about that people who've listened to us consistently they probably feel like they're in the room with us you know yeah Uh, and it's it's a weird feeling i know the podcasts i listen to throughout my week you know i look forward to listening to it when they come out and I feel like I know them in some weird sense, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's, it's yeah, strange. That, that, that personal relationship that develops just from, you know, a constant communication. And I know that's a little bit like JFK, right? As we're, as we're getting into this, this episode, you know, JFK was a very personable person uh, thanks to the use of, of media, television. You know, people felt like they knew him. So that's in a, a way... I am JFK. Ladies that's, and gentlemen, that's what I'm I am to JFK. Say. I am that JFK. Is, I'm going to tell your wife. Uh, yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is what we call a transition. <laughs> that is a excellent transition. Well, that's, let me. That's uh, what I'm here for. <laughs> Might have been a little premature. <laughs> no, that was perfect because you know we you know we can we can riff for out we we have riffed for hours. I mean, yeah. Yes. Uh, you know. That's Cue why the, we have this podcast. That's right. That's I think right. that's why our first few episodes were so long. Oh, my goodness. we just were having a blast. I also would like to uh, thank our my knee medication uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for the, those long riffs in those early episodes. Well, guys, we've talked about JFK before on the podcast. Um, we did a whole episode. I believe it was um, uh, Spotlight, I think, 6. Uh, it was called uh, mm, yeah. New Frontier of, of Prayer and Politics. So if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back. Uh, we examined um, Kennedy's election, uh, looking through the lens of, of him being Catholic and how that uh, impacted uh, his candidacy and ultimate, you know, his, his election. Um, now, what's weird about our early episodes, guys, is I think we did some great history, but we only had, like, one microphone. Uh, and <laughs> our early, early episodes, it was just an iPhone just literally sitting on the couch between it was just Ethan and I back then. Uh, and so, you know, uh, what's weird with this episode is it, it still is very listenable, but, uh, we've come so far in terms of like production. I feel like, yeah. Um, thank you guys. Yeah. yeah so yeah, thank, thank you. That, that's because of you guys supporting us. So thank you, uh, for, for doing that. The reason we can come clear to you now is because you supported us, uh, then. Um, yes. But uh, but so go, feel free to go back and listen to that. Uh, and so we'll we'll still do kind of an overview of Kennedy a little bit. But we really dove deep into uh, his candidacy in that episode. So I encourage you guys to go back and, and check that out. So guys, let me ask you um, before we dive into Kennedy specifically, what makes somebody presidential? What do you Ooh. look for in a president or maybe a presidential candidate? I like that. That's a fascinating question. Uh, And I think, I think JFK changes that because, you know, the three of us are, are coming from you, you know, well after Kennedy. And I think Kennedy probably shapes, I know he does for me, kind of what I think about as a president is someone who looks the part of a celebrity because I think with Kennedy, the, those two things are so intertwined of presidents being kind of ce- celebrities. Um, 
someone who's personable, uh, someone who can take control of the media, whether that be television, you know, radio, you know, someone that is, you know, in all in all means, a head of state and plays the part very well. So they really have mm. to be, with this modern definition, they really have to be uh, not only a celebrity, but they have to be available in the way yeah. that a celebrity yeah. is, right? Yeah, I think, um, well, I think the way, what I look for in a president, I think that's what you asked you. Yeah. I, I think I look at, um, I look for someone who is representative okay. of, um, to be honest, I'm being really honest and vulnerable, someone who represents me. Sure. And what I desire. You can see yourself. My worldview and those sorts of things. Sure. I think everyone does that, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, what I honestly also, I look for people that can be multi-representative. Right. Or at least can consider um, other perspectives as well. So so that that comes down to not just that you see yourself and the candidates, you know, beliefs and, and how they portray themselves. But also that in in times of, of crisis... Yes, they can look at other perspectives. Is that absolutely? Okay. Yeah, you know, and I think um, I think that's where we all kind of come from, whether we admit it or not. Yeah. Is we're looking for that person that represents our voice. Sure. Um, sure. On a larger stage, I think there's also something like humans haven't changed a lot. You know, over the course of the past few thousand years, and right. you know, I think we often look to the big strong guy. Most, I yeah. think that's yeah. the truth. Most presidents um, are taller, for sure. I think you know? <laughs> we look for that stature, yeah. that image of yeah. power, um, and we look for it in very superficial ways. Yeah. I think that's definitely played out with JFK yeah. and among other presidents that have been talked about throughout this series. That's a good point. But yeah. I think that is something that's so deeply embedded within us yeah. that we don't. it's not necessarily a conscious thing, but we look for, some, oh, that person looks healthy, right. tall, strong. Attractive. And even the past, you know, few elections, what's the conversation? Oh, I don't think they're healthy enough, or yeah. I think they're too old. Yeah, or all these different things that have come up on both sides. Right. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, the reason I, I decided to focus on on JFK and his health uh, was, you know, because that's such a common thing. And and look, most presidential candidates throughout history have been in the era of. I mean, people live longer now, but you know, in the era they were alive, older rather mm-hmm. than younger. Right. JFK is going to be very young. Right. Um, but look at, I mean, do you think about, look at, look at, look at who was running to be president in 2016 or in 2020, right? You know, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. I mean, very old people, right? Yes, and yes. so uh, concerns about their health, um, you know, of course, with, with, with Biden, you know, you did hear and you still hear people, you know, commenting on, you know, uh, his, you know, mental cognition, you yes. know. Um, you know, with Trump, there was concerns about his health. Of course, Trump gets COVID, you know. Yeah. Hillary collapsed that one time. You know, there, there's obviously uh, that we are obsessed, I think, to your point, Jonathan, about presidential celebrity in the same way that, you know, the paparazzi follows celebrities and wants to portray every part of their life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's kind of what we expect from presidents now, you know, Um we should mention that, you know, really, if you go back, you know, into the 1800s, it was not normal for presidents or political candidates to 
you know, go on the road and meet commoners, right? You think of like Jackson as like kind of the common man's president. Yeah. In a lot of ways, he embodied the, the the viewpoints of the common man, but he wasn't going around to towns and, and giving stump speeches, you know, the way that, that now, you know, that, you know, everybody goes to Iowa, you know? Yeah. Why do you have, you know, 20 political candidates all going to the Iowa State Fair at the same time? You know, right. the game has changed, right? And so because the game has changed and we require our leaders to be more celebrity, I think um, who can be president changes also, right? Mm. Um, and so uh, we, we talked about attributes you look for in a president. How about this? We talked about health. What do you feel like the public needs to know about a president and what is maybe personal doesn't need to be known yeah that's a that's a tricky question i know for me obviously personal health you know there are some things that that need to remain private but i think once again this is my personal opinion when you are entering into a public office um especially an office as high as the presidency i think if you have some sort of major health condition that needs to be made aware okay. uh, because people are people are voting for you to lead them for the next four years right and so i think if if you do have a major a major issue that is going to compromise your health and that's going to you know project the vice president into that role i mean i i think people do need to be made aware of that but it's tricky because like i said i do understand the whole realm of, of personal health right but i think that changes with the presidency i really do okay so health are there other hmm. thing like i mean like to me it's like, just health just health to i mean me like, like, like tax returns for example were a big thing in the past couple yes. elections of uh, you know will you release like your tax returns personal oh so affairs like so so also like um right. you know so also just like so that that speaks to more the character of the president right sure. of of are they are they trustworthy are they reliable yeah. um yeah. are they philandering right um <laughs> perhaps okay well yeah i think that's I, I think jonathan said something key that it's a public office so i think when you go for a public position i think the core of it is that you are doing this not for your the idea is you're not doing this for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're doing this. For, it's civil service. You're doing this for other people. You're serving other people, right? So it's got to be for the benefit of society, whoever your constituents are. Maybe that's the entire country, right? And so, yeah, if, if there's something that's going to impact or change that or have an effect, yeah. you, that would be wise to communicate that. Now, I don't think any of that is codified at all constitution or anything right. like that yeah, it's it's that's yeah. why it's all preference yeah you know what's what's best what's best there might be underlying things or like you know what this is going to draw attention away from the agenda and it really doesn't affect right their that person's capacity right but it's it's to eat to to both of your points it's so hard to know i mean it's i think even people who would lean on the side of like that's personal business in today's era you could get them to a point where, like, well, I should have known that, you know, um, because, like, you have a lot of power. As president of the United States of America, you have you have nuclear missiles at your fingertips, right? You control a huge economy uh, and, you know, a, a country who really uh, 
embodies so much global power. It's 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 truly international power, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not just like you're getting elected, you know, uh, president of your club or of your, you know, uh, you're not class president, right? Yeah, right. Um, and so, th- it's a hard question to answer. Um, and and what we should reference, and I think we've done a decent job of this in our our series, Presidents of the Press. You know, we've looked really from Washington uh, through Nixon at. Um, the relationship of, of media and, and the presidency. And we've covered health kind of as that came up, most notably with like FDR. Look, guys, we said the, the, the public should know if there's major health concerns, right? FDR had really crazy high, you know, blood pressure, right? Lifelong smoker. smoker. He also couldn't walk, yeah. right? Um, and there were obviously huge suppression efforts to hide that from the American people successfully. And, and the press played a very personal role in choosing not to run stories, right? In the era of the 1930s and 40s, if the public had known that, we can almost certainly say, you know, we hate what if history, but he's not elected, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so the question becomes, like, we have we have a right to know, but, like, would we have missed out as a country on some leaders who really helped our country through crisis? You know, if, mm-hmm. if we just list it, you know, um, Grover Cleveland, right? Uh, Grover Cleveland had a tumor in his mouth, right? And, wow. uh, and he had to get that operated on, uh, but he didn't want the public to find out, you know, that, that the, the kind of that taboo of, of, you know, weakness, right? Was that during his presidency? During his presidency. Oh, wow. I didn't and know that. so, um, yeah, he also was in sort of like the markets, you know, the stock market mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so he actually uh, he was operated on, I believe, by six surgeons on a yacht in New York City Harbor. And he just told people he was just going on, you know, a little just boat on tour. A yacht. Wow. Yeah. And um, because of that, you know, the reason Grover Cleveland, every picture, he always has a mustache. It's because he had permanent scarring and that mustache hid that. So they perp- they did the procedure removing like the tumor. They did it mostly in his mouth. Um, so like there was crazy scarring in his mouth, but you only could see a little bit above his lip, and so that's why he grew the mustache out. They had to fill that hole um, with a, like a uh, with like a rubber compound. So he kind of had like a rubber mouth to an extent. Um, wow! And like that was hid from the American people, right? Um, had the American people known, that could have affected his election right and see i find that fascinating because to kind of go back to to the question you asked about should health be you know public or private i think if it if it doesn't hinder their ability that's what we serve yeah and so to me with with the cleveland examples in no way does that i mean he's gonna obviously be out and have to recuperate and recover and might not be able to publicly publicly speak for right. a short amount of time but like that doesn't that doesn't impact his ability to serve right and even with fdr uh you know because he was bound to a wheelchair right. or even bound to crutches like that doesn't impact his ability to serve right right in a way that i think of like woodrow wilson and when yeah. he has his stroke so wilson has mm-hmm. a stroke and nobody sees him for about a year mm-hmm. um I mean, do you think the public should have known that, Jonathan? I do, yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's where I was kind of going that because he was incapacitated. He yeah. wasn't serving the nation. Like, there's a lot of evidence right. that his wife, uh, Edith, yeah. was the one calling the shots. And so that's the example that I think of. 
So that is impacting their ability to be president. Their ability to serve. Now yeah. the question would be, let's look at FDR, right? He's um, you know, he, he basically can't walk, you know, or if he does it's it's not truly, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, braces on his legs, help, right? Uh, crutches. Um how and he has you know really high blood pressure how do you know if that's going to impact their ability to serve until they get into the white house you see what i'm saying yeah it's a hard question because it's, it's, it's like a tricky road because you look when somebody's running for political office now we'd certainly want to know about their health history right no. and maybe his high blood pressure didn't affect his decision making right maybe the fact that he uh had polio didn't affect his but how do you know right Ooh. And so that's where it gets tricky is it's like, it's easy to look back and cherry pick. Like, well, Wilson yeah. was clearly, Hindsight. clearly incapacitated, yes. right? Like, I, I agree. That's the most quintessential example of like, the nation really should have known, right? It's hard to know. We are holistic beings. Like, you know, everything that happens to us impacts us, right? right? So you could have a condition that doesn't necessarily impact your ability to make decisions, Right. But it still change. It still has an effect on you as a person, right? So, that's a really deep question, right? And I mean, if we if we go the direction we're going here, I mean, with with Kennedy, you know, we don't think of Kennedy as somebody who was ill. We think about how he was the youngest president elected, elected. right? Yeah. Now he's he's not the youngest president to serve because uh, Teddy Teddy had a year on him basically uh, when he inherited the presidency right but he is the youngest elected president and when you think of him you think about his like how robust he is yeah. how attractive he is you know he was legitimately a war hero and not just like oh he's from a rich family they paid for press no like he yeah. swam soldiers to safety when their boat was split in half by a Japanese destroyer I mean yeah. He truly is a war hero. You think of all this uh, vibrance, but yet he actually is incredibly sick. Incredibly sick. Um, and so let me read my my opening paragraph to you guys as we kind of transition here. And again, I'd encourage you guys to go back and, and listen to the Kennedy episode um, because it'll kind of fill in the gaps. But we don't think of Kennedy as being ill, and he absolutely was. And the fact that even now that story is under remembered you know uh, mm. i i'll be honest i went through my entire k through 12 education not knowing kennedy was ill right yeah, same um you know little things like for example you always see him in a uh you always see him in a rocking chair i assumed he just liked rocking chairs <laughs> Yeah, I, I associate that with the fact that he was just bougie. He was yeah. just bougie, right? It's kind of it's like it's like it's like the ultimate like uh, it looks like he's relaxed. It's actually because he had incredible back pain, and a rocking chair relieves that, right? Uh, when when they went on on uh, you know international trips, they would bring rocking chairs with them because that's how bad his back pain was, right? Mm. So so let me read this. John F. Kennedy is regarded as one of the greatest American presidents whose tragically short time in office has been juxtaposed historically by the remembrance of his bright vision for America's future, his navigation through moments of crisis, and the general love affair the American public had with him and his family. As the first Catholic president and the first to fully embrace the medium of television, Kennedy ushered in an era of changing the roles and norms of the American presidency. 
from his time on the 1960 campaign trail to his thousand days as president of the United States, much of Kennedy's success hinged on his popular public image that exuded youthfulness, dynamic optimism atop a moderate campaign platform. As the youngest elected American president, Kennedy's strong, energetic image was essential in separating himself from previous and often much older American presidents, an image that was remarkably far from the truth. Kennedy had a long-suffered, consistently ill health since childhood that included Addison's disease, severe back pain, and various other ailments that required numerous medications and treatments on a daily basis. This is going to be kept under lock and key by the Kennedy family um, with the knowledge and help of the American media. Um, during this time, guys, they, they view it as a private matter, not a personal mm. matter, or not, not a, a public man, uh, a, a public matter. But it, it's, it's hard because when we go through these things that he had, when we go through the medications he was on, um, we're going to start to come back to that question of could Kennedy have been incapacitated by either, you know, what he had or how they treated it. Right. Hmm. Um, and that's where this question really gets murky, you know? Um, so we remember Kennedy as being pretty good in moments of crisis. We think of like, you know, one of the scariest times in American history, the Cuban missile crisis and how he was remarkably cool headed um, yeah. and, and got America through a really dark chapter where, you know, we really could have entered that realm of mutually assured destruction and, and they were able to navigate out of it, right? But when I, guys, when I go through the list of drugs he was on during that moment, you're going to wonder, was he all there? Oh, wow. Was he all there? And so it really is going to be, uh, I'm curious how you're going to feel at the end of this this podcast, guys. Okay. I'm fascinated. Um, wow. <laughs> it's a really, as reading this thing, it was just, it was, it just, the uh, so many things. Um, you know, Kennedy... It really is amazing that he could project that image because I think what you're really going to notice as we go through this is just how every day hurt for Kennedy. Uh, but yet, like, he's still literally one of the most iconic images in America's history, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's for not looking like he's in pain. <laughs> yeah. It's looking the exact opposite. So let's go back uh, to to who Kennedy is um, and how he gets elected. Um, and we covered this in that episode um, uh, this time last year, actually. Um, but Kennedy, uh, he is a great politician. He is a war hero. But there's no getting around that part of the reason he's able to become president is because he is a Kennedy. Uh, and Jonathan, what does being a Kennedy mean? Privilege. Privilege. Wow. Ethan? Yeah. Um, yeah, notoriety status wealth wealth yeah extreme wealth royalty american royalty really yeah by the time you know kennedy is uh is becoming a, a politician you know uh after world war ii his family they'd always had been uh extremely wealthy um and but they've kind of moved from just being american aristocracy to truly being like roosevelt rockefeller uh you know carnegie uh, Morgan status, yeah, you know, really, sure. um, uh, essentially, uh, his grandfather was rich. His father made them extremely rich. So by the time he's a he's a young adult, 
uh, he is not going to have to contribute to the family business. They are good to go. That that, yeah. that generational wealth. It, it yeah. truly is um, old money at this point, right? Yeah. But you know, look, he is a Catholic man from Boston, right? Yeah. Which today doesn't mean as much. Again, encourage to listen back to uh, Spotlight Number Six when we talked about why being Catholic was such a big deal, uh, why it was such an obstacle, why people still uh, tell you it's a big deal that he was the first Catholic president. It really was. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's even though he comes from privilege, right, and he's a great politician, like, that's still going to be a hard road for him, right? Um, you know, he his, uh, his grandfather had been mayor of Boston, Right. Uh, his father worked for the the FDR uh, cabinet, you know, a lot of political involvement as well. And so certainly from from a young age, somebody in the Kennedy family was uh, was destined uh, for greatness. So, Andrew, how much how far back does this go for JFK? Oh, the health. Yeah. And like just I mean, his childhood did it like come before his political career or yeah how does that kind of line up so this is part of the story that i mean i'm glad we can get into it because it's it's crazy how far back this went um so you know kennedy by the time he's born uh, the kennedy family is certainly a household name in the northeast uh it's becoming a household name uh across the nation right um you know and, and he you know his early life is going to be Red Sox gangs with uh, games with his grandfather, who was you know mayor of of Boston, right? Uh, vacation homes, servants, you know. Um, but there is illness, right? And and early on, you know, it's it's things that are relatively normal, and then it just the snowball just keeps rolling when it comes to Jack's health. Um, so as as a kid, uh, by as early as his third birthday, he had been hospitalized. Uh, and as a young kid under the age of five, uh, Kennedy uh, contracted measles, mumps, scarlet fever, whooping cough, and bronchitis. And so, wow, the whole gamut, right? Like those are all the ones. Wow. We think of those kind of old world diseases. Yeah. Like we just listed most of them, right? I wonder if he had like some sort of like autoimmune, like his immune system. Obviously, we'll get there. Compromised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, uh, interestingly, 1920, there was a, a scarlet fever outbreak uh, uh, going around Boston, yeah. uh, and so hospital beds, uh, very similar to COVID. Remember when they were kind of running out of hospital beds yeah. all around the yeah. United States? They ran out of beds, and so. Um, uh, his father, you know, uh, coming from considerable political power and, and wealth, had to kind of flex the muscle to get Jack uh, a bed in the infirmary, and, and he does wow. um, in the Boston City, uh, the Boston City Hospital. Uh, oftentimes, when we think about uh, Kennedy, we call his thousands days in office. Uh, you may call it Camelot. You know, both him and his wife, they were big fans of. Uh, the the musical uh, and then just the story of, of King Arthur right and it kind of kind of uh, describes how magical um, and, and how much the press adored the Kennedys right and were obsessed with them in true celebrity form right um, part of the reason though is because when he was in the hospital with all these ailments uh, he would read and reread King Arthur in the Round Table. And so wow. it really goes all the way back to like when he's under the age of five. That was his escape. That's his escape mm. is reading, uh, his reading King Arthur and the Round Table, which I thought was just a really mm. interesting thing. Uh, interestingly, Jack is still like 
relatively athletic. Um, his oldest brother, Joe, uh, who, by the way, was the one who was originally destined for... Uh, the heir apparent. The heir apparent. He was going to be the one who, you know, uh, was going to run for, for a political office. Uh, he was always the, the better athlete. Uh, but, but Jack was no... You know, he, he was a decent athlete. And so, mm. you know, he played uh, JV football. Uh, at their vacation house, he developed kind of a lifelong love of, of swimming, um, something that we'll hear about more later. Um, but as he starts to go to school, the illness follows him as well. Um, and so uh, 1931, uh, he has an appendicitis, um, and he has some kind of an undiagnosed illness um, that essentially, as people around him are growing and they're putting on weight and they're putting on muscle, he's just stagnant. You know, and we all had probably friends growing up, maybe it was you guys, who you know, everybody else kind of shoots up uh, and then they just don't. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. That was me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I see Jonathan raising his hand over here, so. Uh. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, for example, when he was at boarding school, you know, very prestigious boarding school you had to pay to get into, um, he became very familiar with their medical team. He spent many, <laughs> many, like, literally months in their infirmary. I bet the nurse um, is like, Jack, you again? <laughs> well, they, they, they literally, the, the medical staff, uh, he, he had a problem where he would, like, be fatigued and he would like faint randomly oh, wow. uh, while at school um, wow. and like so much so that they realized his blood count was dangerously low and so he was there so often that the medical staff referred to him as 2000 to go kennedy uh and that's because <laughs> he was 2000 uh I don't, I don't know how you quantify blood count i guess just the amount of blood cells right is that what it is like white blood cells i don't know i think so i think so i can google it yeah yeah but he if he lost 2000 he'd be dead oh wow <laughs> so, oh 2000 yeah. oh no 2000 to go kennedy That's dark. Uh, and like the fact that that becomes a joke tells you how often he's there and how often they're monitoring that um a childhood friend who kind of would write letters back and forth with, with Kennedy uh, that I, I ran across basically just calls this period. He says Jack was sick all the time, just all the time. Um, uh, this friend's name is Lim Billings, and we'll talk about him more later. But a lot of the reason we have um, some information about this period of his life and his illness was he wrote these letters to his friend Lim Billings um and we have those today which is super cool and mm. during this time is he is he like middle school high school age so this is like this is like that middle school early high school okay, age. okay. um 14 15 right in that right in that year okay. um and he he starts calling himself and he's in his letters to Lem he starts calling himself the pet of the hospital <laughs> and so you know and so you, you kind of can hear some like teenage angst in this right uh but also there has to be some frustration because, you know, he liked to play sports and, and do all the things that you know, young American boys like to do, right? But, um, you know, his health would, would keep coming back to bite him. Keep him silent. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, by the time we enter kind of that like late, mid to late high school era, you know, secondary, um, he is always struggling with digestion. Uh, he has stomach pain he has kind of undiagnosed pain in his colon um eventually that's going to be diagnosed as something called severe spastic colitis okay so colitis colon okay mm -hmm. um and that leads to a whole bunch of things um both the effects of having that and the pain from that especially the treatments for that and this is yes. really where this gets interesting okay 
Um, in this late 30s, early 40s, uh, you do see a lot of new medical procedures. Um, I mean, think about like all the things that are invented in that early 20s, like penicillin saves so many lives. Uh, you know, when the polio vaccine is introduced, like the fact that we don't grow up and think about like, I hope I don't get polio, right? Because right. of, you know, the polio vaccine, right? Um, which of course vaccines right now are, are back and uh, controversial yet again in, in our society right now, right? Um, but uh, there is this cutting edge of medical treatment uh, and calling it a cutting edge is, is the right term mm -hmm. because sometimes you nick yourself and you bleed, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of these, a lot of these uh, medical procedures that are introduced in the 30s and 40s are things we rely on. Every, I mean, how often do you go to the doctor and you have like a, something and they give you a steroid for something, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And it's just so commonplace, right? At this time, steroids are brand new, which yes. means the dosage is like... <laughs> No idea. Um, yes. <laughs> so here's some of the things that they gave Jack to, to treat, you know, digestive problems, uh, his colitis, and then just like general stomach pain. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, there's so many goofy things here. So uh, by this late high school era, he's taking daily injection of a serum made from horses. Okay. So that's weird. Uh, he's taking adrenal hormone extracts. Um, and essentially, mm. those are like early steroids. Um, yeah. Let's be honest. If he wasn't from extreme privilege, this is new. This is expensive. This is experimental. If he didn't come from money, he's not getting this. Yeah, he's no. just dealing no. with this, right? And, and Which means very possibly he just dies from this, right? Yeah. But the fact that he comes from privilege means he can try these really revolutionary and dangerous, you know, procedures. Um those extrenal, those adrenal extracts, basically, we'll just call them steroids. Um, they were uh, like the dosage was weird, and they gave it to him way more than any doctor would give it to him now. And the way they actually administered to him is kind of gross. So people who are kind of squeamish, listen to the pod, may want to kind of. Uh. So uh, they had these steroids came in the form of pellets, right? So imagine like just a little, like a, almost like a BB gun pellet, you know, one of them, maybe a little bit bigger. And you had to put it under your skin. Mm. And so he and his family got very used. This is like a, a, a daily thing. Got very used to making little slivers like in his arm, you know, kind of just right under the skin. And then you just kind of pop a little BB gun pellet of, of steroid underneath. Ouch. And so, and this was a common wow. thing. Ouch. Isn't that a weird <laughs> yeah. thing? And so then it's kind of absorbed by the body. Interesting. Right? Um, can't just ingest it <laughs> i i think now they would do that but you know, this is the, cu the cutting edge of medicine yeah, yeah. right the cutting yeah, edge, cutting edge. Um, i see what you did there it did, <laughs> did yeah it? you see literally cutting yeah I, i'm glad you uh, i i I'm i back. i have the, I, you are back i have the least amount of dad jokes on this podcast and so i had to work <laughs> that one in there for you <laughs> um this did help his colitis it did help his pain uh but it's gonna cause some very long-term problems Think of the rocking chair, right? Um, this dosage is really high. It's mm. really often. And so it does result in permanent damage to his stomach. Mm -hmm. It's going to result in spinal fractures in his back. Uh, and it's going to give him permanent damage to his adrenal glands. Yes. Uh, eventually, 1947, he's going to be diagnosed with something called Addison's disease, okay? Wow. Very rare thing, but it, it, it has to do with, with um, you know, problems with your adrenal glands, right? Okay. Um, and 
you can go all the way back to how they treated his colitis, those steroid pellets, as very likely a cause for that. Interesting. Um, oh. Now, this is all somewhat murky. The uh, the Kennedy family was very, um, and honestly still are, very concerned with their image, right? And so the reason we know any of these details, like we know we've read the letters from Lim Billings and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, uh, it's because in, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, a really great historian, uh, Robert Dalek, he, wrote, uh, he writes a lot of great books from the 60s era. I'd encourage you guys to check out his book, uh, An Unfinished Life. So it, it takes JFK hmm. you know, from childhood all the way through his death in, in 63. But basically, Dalek in, in the late 90s uh, shows up and, and, and requests the Kennedy family and basically says, hey, open your medical records. And that's because they hadn't. And so the reason we know these details, even though they're still kind of blurry, is because he literally begged the Kennedy family to kind of uh, let him. Uh, and, and they, uh, it's really interesting, they, they let him read most of the documents, like medical records, stuff nobody before had really seen. Um, for record, prior to this, um, the American people knew when he was president that he had some kind of like back pain, uh, but because he served in the military, yeah, they just kind of said it was military service. Being a war hero. And yep. so, and so that that kind of has a great campaign uh, result of like, oh, he's a war hero, you know? Yeah. And so you you can you can both uh, downplay his uh, medical problems and then upplay his war hero. A brilliant right. political it's strategy. A, it's brilliant, yeah. and it worked. And it yeah. definitely worked. I'm curious, real quick though, who did Dalek? go to he goes in, to the kennedy family like in particular because i'm thinking who is who is the head of the family at that point i don't mm-hmm. i'll be honest i don't know who mm-hmm. in the kennedy family i know because he, did he, he just wanted jfk's records medical records yeah and so he uh and he is a dalek is a very well-known historian I know the name, yeah. written a lot about like lbj fdr um and so part of the reason is is they they felt like he had enough body of work mm-hmm. that that uh, it wouldn't just be um it, he was established they, yeah. they would, and they would and he, and he would handle it respectfully right yeah. it, it, it wasn't going to be he was going to write some hit peach hit piece and just be done right yeah uh, he was going to write a good book and i'll be honest it's it's the best book i've read on jfk i mean it's so. interesting because you think 90s 2000s obviously the parents are dead right uh at that point i mean you've got i guess you've got ted right ted would be around ted yeah. uh Carolyn can you know Caroline yeah depending on when in the 90s JFK jr yeah I'll have to I'll see if I can find uh, and we'll we'll put it on Instagram if we find some more because I'll be honest I kind of kind of grazed over that um yeah I was just curious no it's, it's a great question yeah um what's interesting is they, they didn't let him take photocopies or take anything out of like the archive uh, he could take photos uh or no excuse me he could take photos of some things, not medical records. He couldn't take photocopies. He couldn't take them out. So a lot of this stuff, he literally had to like write by hand. In 1990s, like you know, computers yeah. are not really something you just have in, with you, you know. And you don't have the smartphone. And just... so a lot of this is just kind of stuff he just kind of scrawled on a journal, and that's why we we have wow. this information. So, much, so uh, there might be things we still. Yeah, there there's, are. Oh, there are certainly things. are things. Yeah, a lot more. And we so don't know. I know we kind of got off track there, but I just felt like that was important just to yeah, note yeah. early on. Sorry. Just <laughs> so when things are blurry, it's because like. We're lucky to know any of this, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, wow. And look, part of the reason Kennedy's able to be uh, be elected is because the American people don't know this. They yes. don't know he had uh, colitis from a young age. They didn't know he had Addison's disease. 
Um, and they actually, on the campaign trail, and we'll get to this, explicitly tell the American people he doesn't have Addison's disease when he certainly did. Wow. Really? And we'll, get to, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Hmm. Um, so back to him being a child, um, them giving him steroids to treat his, his colitis. Um, and again, permanent damage to his stomach, his adrenal glands. That's where the Addison's disease likely comes from. And then it does result in spinal fractures. And this is really where that, that constant pain is going to come from. Okay. Um, regardless of the cause of this Addison's disease and everything else he had, um, these ailments are going to follow Kennedy, uh, from, uh, his, childhood to his time in military service and then into his his political career um he's going to go to harvard obviously being a kennedy uh he was he was a decent student he wasn't super focused things he did focus on he did well at um but you know if he hadn't come from privilege he probably wouldn't have made it into harvard Mm -hmm. he would have still went to a good ivy league school um but you know uh, he was a he was a mess student, uh, especially early in his college career. Okay. Uh, his brother Joe was a much, a much more focused, dedicated, uh, motivated student. Okay. Um, but this health is going to follow him when he's yeah. at Harvard. Um, interestingly, you know, we talked about his love for swimming. Um, he is going to be on the Harvard swim team. Um, however, uh, a coach. Uh, remarking on how, how he was an athlete called him frail and thin and said he was just kind of like a mediocre athlete. So he did make the huh. swim team. He was not a starter. Uh, he was on like their, you know, I guess like their junior varsity uh, swim team. But the fact he could be on the swim team is, is something. Considering all, all of his <laughs> yeah, health issues. Yeah. And there's like so many more that are coming. Like did, we're just starting. Did yeah. swimming provide any sort of uh, Ooh. relief? I would, you had to think like, you think back to like FDR yeah. and how like swimming was, I have to imagine, you know, in terms of like pressure on your joints, you know, swimming has always been used for like in therapy, you know, think of how many athletes, you know, they, they have a, a regimen in, in a swimming pool when they're coming back from an injury. So I have to imagine hmm. it, it did some, maybe some, yeah. something. Yeah. And allows you to still get cardio and build some strength without putting as much, I have to imagine there's some truth to that. Um, at this point, it just sounds like he's about to fall apart. It really, and he's like, he's a young, <laughs> anytime he moves, I'm just like, he's a young just, they need to tattoo fragile on his yeah, forehead. Yeah. On his forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, move with care. Yes. Right. Move with care. <laughs> um, we should mention health concerns are not just him. Um, his, his sister rosemary had suffered brain damage since infancy um and in 1941 uh we talked about that cutting edge of of medical treatment uh she does receive a full frontal lobotomy something that was considered to be a revolution in that time and now we look back and it's shocking we ever did that horrifying um so uh interestingly she um had always been they thought this would help uh it actually made it much worse uh she had always been uh, like she hadn't been violent prior to her lobotomy, you know, um, just not quite all there, you know, not fully functioning. After the lobotomy, she does become horrifyingly violent, wow. you know, uh, which happens when you sever the spheres of your brain, right? Yeah. That is certainly something that happened to a lot of people in this era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and so what's really sad is is their dad, uh, Joe Kennedy Sr., is going to institutionalize her for the rest of her life. And so mm-hmm. she will live the rest of her life in a, a small Wisconsin nunnery. Um, during this time, and I would say it's not gone, guys, but it's certainly a little bit better. Um, m- mental issues, health issues, particularly mental issues, are, are incredibly taboo. 
Um, yes. And it's seen as embarrassing if, if the public knew about that. And so results, especially when you're a family with political power and money and your household name, you just end up suppressing stuff. And so uh, the Kennedy family certainly covered this up you know, and uh, yeah. hid this from, from everybody else, which is really sad um, because you have to think about the impact of, of uh, first of all, for Rosemary, right? Yes. Uh, you know, she's shunned oh, from her family. Um, and then certainly, I have to imagine, for everybody else in the family, probably also a pretty traumatic experience. Absolutely. You know? Does does her health come to light with the, the Robert, is it Dalek? Dalek. Dalek, yeah. does it come to light? with his um more findings, more or? comes out with dalek i believe earlier i could be wrong okay. i believe earlier to that we learn more about about that. her i think oh, in the no. 80s if i remember correctly so the kennedy family was not just private with jfk it was, a, it was a whole family yeah it was a family yeah well and actually uh dalek points out in his book that um you know uh this is kind of when the can the kennedy family really is going to kind of become skillful at, at, at hiding things, you know, using the press to suppress things that you don't want out there. Um, and, you know, to give them a little bit of credit, we have to remember what era this is in, right? Uh, yeah. Joe Sr. made enough money that nobody in his family had to work in the family business. He had uh, his, his namesake, Joe Kennedy Jr., destined for a life in politics, right? In this era, if the American people had known that, that would have derailed any political, you know, by, by either, you know, Joe, who of course is going to be killed in World War II, by JFK, by Robert Kennedy, by mm -hmm. Ted. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And it's so staying on the Kennedy name. Exactly. And so in this era, just such a taboo thing. That's why they suppressed it, right? There's very little to gain uh, and a lot to lose. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, but let's, let's jump into his, his military service because it's really interesting that he not only serves, but that he has such an exemplary uh, military career. Simply the fact that he's even allowed to. I know. Well, there's a reason for that, right? Come back to that privilege. Like, you couldn't even get into... Uh, you can't today. Not with that. Not if, no. not if they knew that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, unless you put your you pushed your thumb on the scales or something, you know. I, yeah. I'm just getting straight up Captain America vibes of, <laughs> of Steve Rogers pre serum, yes, trying to join the army. <laughs> it, it was that horse serum, huh? That's what it. That's yeah. the <laughs> yeah. Did Captain America have pellets under his his his, uh, his arms? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I have to I have to look That's at I have to watch the first Captain America movie again. I gotta yeah. and look. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so here we go. John F. Kennedy's health would be hidden with the help of his family and their influence as he enters uh, service in, in the Second World War. Um, he fails the medical exams for the Army. Not surprising. He fails for the Navy. Uh, his father arranges for a, uh, a special closed-door board of medical officials, uh, and this closed group awards him a clean bill of health, which lets him join the Navy. Um, and this is after failing, you know, the normal, the normal way. What's the cost? Why push so hard, right? Thinking World War II, like, <sighs> yeah. What does it What does it look like to your family if your son is not serving? Yeah, and and this is a huge global war. I mean, we have probably all have friends who either are in the military or who served. Yeah. But you know, at this point, you know, World War II is a long time ago. It was, I mean, by the time World War II ends, guys, we have 20, um, 20 million standing men for just the United States. Yeah. Yes. That doesn't even count reservists. That's just, that's just active duty, right? And so this is, this is a war where, like you said, if your son isn't serving, the question is why, 
Yes. Right? And yeah, so that idea of like civic duty is is so common in the families and you know service in the military is is a key factor of that and and there was a draft too so even if you didn't want to serve it's coming you know it's coming um during this time uh jack's back issues are becoming more severe he's regularly having back spasms um and so uh i love these kind of old medical terms the the navy diagnosis for this is they just call it weak back (laughs) Weak back. <laughs> your I back is weak. <laughs> Gotta do more core exercises. Weak back. Yeah, it just and it just it, I like that, that. That's just that's like the conclusion. It's, eh, it's just weak. You the know. Simplicity. Um, and they actually suggested uh, a fusion a fusion surgery. Okay. Um, mm. So to kind of you know fuse parts of his back together because it was uh, falling apart and and we'll get to that. Um, despite this, uh, that same board of medical doctors uh, decided the procedure was unnecessary. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> And could be treated with just, you know, exercise, massages, you know, physical therapy, basically. Pellets. <laughs> yeah, pellets. There you go. Um, uh, while he was going to serve, uh, the plan was, uh, according to Joe Sr., this would just be a desk job, you know, a chance to say you did serve, but not to actually risk uh, the, the life of, of, of his son. Um, Jack, however, does want to serve. And, and actually, Joe Sr. is very similar in that, too, where he does actually, he's like, well, I want to actually fight. I don't want to just be, you know, in, in a desk job. Um, and so Jack actually goes uh, to his grandfather, Honey Fitz, who, you know, was a previous mayor of, of Boston, you know. Honey Fitz is a great name. Yeah. I was just, yeah. Honey yeah. Fitz. Yeah. And so there's going to be a mayor of Boston. So, so <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the name of the, that's the name, Honey. <laughs> so that's why uh, we always think of JFK. The F is Fitzgerald, right? Mm-hmm. So Honey Fitz, you know. Um, so, you know, his, his mother's maiden name is Fitzgerald, right? And so because that's a, another rich political Irish family, Irish family that's why the Fitzgerald is so prominent in, in how we remember JFK. So, wow. I think we mentioned that a little bit way back in our last Kennedy episode, but for those of you who may have forgotten, um, he is able to uh, actually uh, get into combat, so he's going to serve in the Pacific. Uh, So by March of 1943, uh, he is in the Solomon Islands, uh, and he is a uh, lieutenant junior, uh, and he is in control of his own patrol boat, number 109. So he he was able to do it. 109. 109. Um, An officer who was serving on his boat uh, wrote that it was clear that Kennedy suffered constant pain from his back, but reported that Kennedy basically refused to openly admit it and then refused to, you know, go to the sick bay, go to the infirmary, um, unless it was absolutely awful. So, you know, um, a- as an effort just to kind of keep moving. Um, now, there's not a whole. This is kind of hearsay. The only tangible proof um, that that uh, this officer Lenny Tom uh, talks about is that Jack uh, brought to the Solomon Islands with him, a corset-like brace. Hmm. So think of like, you know, the old corsets, right? How it kind of hugs you, um, provides a little bit of relief potentially. And then uh, uh, underneath his mattress, he had uh, several plywood planks. As they always say, you know, for a bad back, you want a really firm firm mattress. And so, you know, uh, you put a board under your mattress, gets a little firmer, right? Um, And so that's kind of the tangible proof. Now, we don't have photos of that or anything, so I'll have to take his word for it. But considering what we know about his childhood and what we know later... Makes sense. It fits fits the behavior, for sure. Um, Kennedy, early on, only sees a little bit of action, nothing crazy. Um, However, August of that year, um, his patrol boat 
is split in half by a Japanese destroyer. Like, mm. you know, uh, Kennedy, by all accounts, despite this backspasming, um, was willing and able to jump into action and, and legitimately save the lives of many of his, his crewmen. And so here's just a couple of those, those examples. Um, so he tows an injured crewman in the water, swimming for five hours. Uh, I believe it's like something like 12 miles wow. uh, to safety. And then when he gets him to safety, they see another patrol boat way out, and he swims uh, close enough to wave at them to get help for the rest of his crewmen. And so, you know, uh, wow. his his uh, his coaches may have called him a mediocre athlete, but homeboy's swimming a lot, man. Yeah, uh, that, that adrenaline must have been pumping. And here, yes. I, I'm a baby when I get a headache. Yeah, yeah. and this dude is literally falling apart, swimming five hours? Yeah, five hours. I can no. s- barely swim I'll for like five minutes man. and, and yes. I, i'll be honest we could have spent we probably could have done an entire quick take on on this story because it's it's crazy i mean they were they it wasn't like they got saved right away i mean there there was a lot of time when they were you know kind of hugging onto the remainder of their boat and i can imagine like hoping where yeah. where's the destroyer at like right some, yeah it's it's a tense situation, but you know, so this this means he's a, he's a proper war hero. Yeah, you know? straight up, uh, like this for, is something that Daddy did not buy. Yeah, d- yes. Daddy did not buy this. He yep. certainly earned this, right? And let's point out that like this real uh, act of hero uh, is going to be used It'll to be hide yeah. to yeah to, to to get him you know attention, and then also to hide any any concerns on his medical health. Like, right? look, if he was sick, could he have done that? Right, yeah. right, right, and then like, oh. He is in pain. That's why, you know. Yeah, so it, yeah. it really is a, a brilliant campaign strategy, wow. right? Um, mm. Despite this, you know, this heroic moment, uh, it is ultimately his health, not the end of the war. You know, that's going to to send him home by November of forty four. Uh, so you know, a little bit after, uh, a year after his 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 uh, his big moment, um, he had been declared unfit for service uh, by a retirement board. And you know he's officially retired uh, by by March first of nineteen forty five. So you know right right towards the end of the war there, um, and he is granted like permanent disability, and so he's he's uh, considered uh, permanent uh, incapacitated, resulting from his service. Mm. And so again, that's going to be used again and again on the campaign yeah. trail to to cover up any concerns on his health is. Well, he did it doing his country. Um, you know, he did receive a lot of attention for this. Um, he received uh, both a Navy medal and a Marine Corps medal. Um, and when he comes home, he comes home to headlines. You know, uh, the Boston Globe, for example, uh, writes, you know, Kennedy's son is hero in Pacific, right? And so... I, I love that. Kennedy's son. That old style of journalism, yeah. right? Is, uh, it tells you how <laughs> notable Joe Kennedy Sr., who yeah, at this yes. point is working for Roosevelt uh, in, in his administration, how uh, how how powerful he yeah. was. Any yeah. of his children's accol- accolades or his accolades. Yeah. So in short, yeah. you know, any future questions of Kennedy's health can be easily justified by a mere mention of his military service um, and the official reasoning that's listed on that retirement document. Um, this dualistic identity uh, is really going to serve Kennedy well as he starts to turn to to politics. Um, you know, both being Harvard educated at this point, he's a published author. Uh, 
he uh, and then also being a war hero. So that's kind of that dualism, right? Is he he's done both, um, and it's going to help distract from that that deteriorating health. Okay. Mm. Um, let's get into his health while in public service. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so again, Jack was not originally the person destined for, uh, for a life in politics. It originally was Joe senior. Uh, he was a junior. Yeah. yeah. Junior senior is the dad. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, he is the better student. Uh, he was more robust. He's you know the oldest, right? Uh, but this is going to evaporate summer of 44. Uh, Joe junior, uh, picks a very dangerous mission to go on he was a he was a pilot uh and during this mission his plane explodes um and so you know all of this planning uh joe joe senior was certainly a a planner and so he had already decided that junior was going to be going to be the he was the chosen son if you will you know literally the chosen son and so that's going to evaporate right um and so uh you know both losing a uh losing a brother right his own health history, you have to think uh, that, you know, knowing Rosemary's condition, right? Mm-hmm. And then just seeing the world, um, those are really going to inspire Jack to kind of pick up Joe's mantle and, and become the Kennedy destined for, for, for public service. Okay. Um, and so, you know, uh, at this point, the father, Father Joe, early on, he's not saying, oh, he's going to run for governor of Boston. Uh, he has his eyes on the presidency. You know, really, Joe Sr. is a planner, uh, and mm-hmm. he's setting his, his eyes on the highest office in the land for his yep. son, Jack. Um, but he's Catholic. He has his ill health. A lot of work is going to have to be done to make this a reality, right? Um, he is going to, uh, to succeed in getting into national politics. Uh, 1947, he's elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, just a few years later, uh, 1953, he's elected to the U.S. Senate, and so a very quick ascension. Long, yeah. Very quick ascension. Yeah, that's um, rapid. He's certainly cutting his teeth. His teeth at this point, as a uh, as a politician, you know, he's getting better at speaking to people. Um, you know how to how to project strength and optimism, and you know. Uh, how to undersell things that might get people to vote against him, you know, the whole Catholic faith thing, the health thing, stuff like that. Um, I did want to mention some details, though, of, of Jack while a congressman, yeah. uh, because uh, it is kind of show you that this health is following him, even as he's having a very quick rise uh, right. politically. Okay, right. um, so here's some of those details. Um, so that run for house of representatives which he is successful in mm-hmm. um you know when you're running for a national office or any office especially a national office you know you are on the campaign trail all the freaking time yeah yes. late nights early mornings stump speeches you are literally mm-hmm. always on always on um and so the effect of this was that he was noticeably jaundiced while yeah. on the campaign trail he was yellow you know yes. um and he was limping yeah and uh at different points in the campaign trail um and so they have to be very careful with this not getting out you know putting makeup on um you know deciding last minute to cancel events so you know let's wait till he's he looks better right yeah. um but he certainly jack kennedy and we'll see this when he's president jack kennedy is a very determined individual right while he has all of these health conditions um that are 
obviously causing real damage and real pain. Um, his stamina famously never really suffers. And that's on the campaign trail for the U.S. House. That's when running for president. That's as president, right? He put in the work despite everything else, uh, based off of my research. I, there was never a moment where wow. that I ran across where Jack was like, I can't do it today, guys. You know, uh, he always found a way to show up even when he was obviously in real constant pain. Wow. That's, I mean, you have all these tangibles, like obviously like the health conditions and stuff, but that drive, like how do you explain that? Where does that come from? Yeah. And, and that kind of goes back to that question of that we kind of started with of like, you know, when it comes to health, what does the American people, what should the American people know? Because it's like, if they had known this in this era, they're not going to elect him. But that drive? Yeah, as like a counterpoint, it's like someone who has that drive. That's what you want. Don't you have to go you through some someone. crap to have yeah. that? So that's what I was yeah. going to wonder. I wonder if it's because of these health issues right. that has given him the strength. He's like, I got to... I gotta push past these things. Yeah, I mean, which maybe that translates into the public office of yeah, he's used to doing hard things and exactly. pushing hard, and you know, I mean that that's very much what what think of Teddy talks about. You know, a a, a vigorous life, right? Yeah. A, a strenuous life, right? Yeah. Or, or look at look at look at FDR, right? Yeah. Certainly FDR dealing with polio, and we talked about on the pod how he, you know, he literally drug himself around his house to build back his strength after polio that's hard work you yeah. know and you have to imagine that hardship is part of the reason why fdr was such an effective leader in a moment of crisis yeah, not, not willing to give up mm-hmm. during hardships you know it's, it's so easy just to call it quits right right and so and that, yeah that's definitely that's what you want in a, in leader. a leader so could you almost say and maybe I'm jumping the gun, but could you say with JFK that if it wasn't for those health conditions, that maybe he wouldn't have had that character? Yeah, or same or, with, you know, probably, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so that's the question: is like hmm. if if we know everything about somebody's medical history, and we use that against them, right? Are we denying the American people some of our potentially greatest leaders? Because maybe some of that there a, there can yeah. be strength. Through exactly. that weekend, There's strength right? and hardship, yes. Yeah. Yes. That is deep stuff. Wow. Yeah, so just something to think about as we go through. But here's some of those details on why he's limping, why he's jaundiced. Um, so as a young and famous freshman congressman, um, you know, he is a womanizer all throughout his early life, uh, through his political career, uh, through, you know, his time in the White House, right? Um he was a consistent womanizer. Um, and it was almost, how, how I read about it in, in multiple sources, it was almost robotic. It was, uh, he couldn't turn it off. You know, now, of course, I'm not, I'm not justifying, you know, cheating on your wife a bunch. But I'm saying there was something deep in him that he felt the need to conquer a hill and then another hill. It was never enough. If that makes sense, um, we might call it a sex addiction, right? In, sure. in today's era, right, uh, where we can talk about things like that, right? Yeah. Um, but I also would say, at this time, he's not married yet, but there is a basically revolving door of one night stands. He's a handsome, famous war hero, right? Yeah. When he walks down the street, people take notice, and yeah. he kind of gets his pick of the litter. And oftentimes, he takes multiple picks, right? Mm-hmm. I do think, you know, the fact the sense of his own mortality 
probably plays a role in this womanizing. The idea that I'm not going to be around for very long. Sure. Um, And again, it's hard to justify his womanizing when he's married, right? But I think that's maybe some of the internal motivation. Well, and not not to be too explicit, but if so much of your body doesn't work the way it's supposed to, if there's something that is working... Right. You're going to run towards that. Right. Right. Um, And look... uh, his father was famously unfaithful to his mother. And so there also is kind of this, um, uh, it's being passed down, you know? And so I have to imagine you, Mm. you watch, you're growing up, you're sick all the time, nothing works well, but but you can talk well and you're handsome. Right. And your father's doing it. So it must be okay. Right. Behaviors learned. Exactly. Family of origins. That's what they call it. Exactly. And so, and so just as all this is going on, all these health concerns, just know there is literally a revolving door of women. Um, famously, uh, when when Ted Kennedy was married, at, uh, at you know right after the ceremony, uh, Ted and uh, and and Jack you know kind of went off to I assume like smoke a cigar and just kind of you know talk privately. And he said, and, and Kennedy is quoted for saying, Jack is quoted for saying, just because you're married doesn't mean you have to be faithful to your wife. <laughs> wow, uh, something well, he certainly <laughs> he certainly did wow. that. He certainly did that. Uh, and so, but just know that as we're going through these health concerns. This is also happening. Uh, and, yeah. and I think because of the health concerns, that's part of the motivation. Well, people are holistic. Everything kind of impacts one another. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, you know, uh, he has Addison's disease. It's actually while visiting uh, Ireland that he um, uh, is officially diagnosed with this very rare, you know, adrenal disorder, Addison's disease. Okay. Um, in 1944, he has a very quiet surgery. Uh, so this is right after his 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 uh, heroic moment um, to alleviate back pain. However, it just continues to deteriorate. Uh, Dalek was able in the 90s to uh, to look at these X-rays uh, that had never been released before, wow. and the, this is crazy. The X-rays showed the bones that support his spinal column uh, collapsing, so they're literally falling on top of each other, and his fourth lumbar vertebrae had narrowed from 1.5 centimeters to 1.1. Okay. And so it's continually getting weaker and smaller. And so think about, especially... This is a 44. Yeah, 1944. And so he's wow. he's still a very young man. <laughs> he was born 1917. So do the yeah. math, right? Yeah. He's a very young man. And so think about in, in your back, right? You still have all the weight of your body, but you have uh, a collapsing support structure right yes. that's narrowing and so you're taking on more and more of that weight with less and le- less structure and that's going to result in constant throbbing pain yes right now none of us are medical doctors so right uh i'm sure my sister listening to this she's uh she's in school to be a pa she's probably screaming at me right now <laughs> uh so feel free to write in and, and explain what i'm getting wrong with with some of this uh but certainly it's getting worse guys yeah. uh by 1951 all the x-rays dalek saw all of them showed multiple compression fractures so he's mm. just the way like jackson andrew jackson lived with a bullet in him Kennedy's just living his life with fractures in his back. That's just how it was. Mm. That's just how it was. Um, Kennedy, however, is a great politician at this point. Um, uh, when he runs for Senate as a young, and he gets it and he wins, he's very quickly like on the short list for vice presidency. 
Um, famously, in 1956, he just about becomes uh, vice president, uh, the v vice presidential ticket. Now, this would be, uh, this is the second term of Eisenhower. So Eisenhower runs against uh, Adelaide Stevenson. Uh, Eisenhower is going to sweep. Uh, but, but Kennedy was on the short list to be Addison's uh, vice presidential pick. Okay. okay. Um, Stevenson's? Stevenson's, yeah. Stevenson's. I'm, like, Stevenson's. I'm like, I thought that's the, the disease he had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different names in here. I can see why, why you said that. Oh, yeah. um, just like in his early childhood, um, uh, the details of his back, stomach, other issues, these are going to remain hidden, right? This is still in that era of the, the gentleman's agreement to some extent, you know, that we talked about with Roosevelt. It is starting to break down, uh, but it is still there to, to an extent. You know, the... Um, the American people still do feel, or not the American, but the American press, they do still feel that there's some things that is just kind of uh, shouldn't be talked about. Uh, for example, health. Another yeah. example would be womanizing, right? Uh, uh, many of the members of the press, you know, late nights, lots of opportunity, lots of travel. Many of them weren't loyal to to mm. their partners either. And so there was kind of this point. thing of like... We're Circle it, of secrecy. It's kind of a boys club. It's kind yeah, of like, yeah. a, well, we're not, we're not either. And so we're, we won't cover it, you know? Um, yeah, because if I expose him, then I'm going right, to expose. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, uh, he does have another uh, surgery in 1954. This one, now he's a, a senator. You are not going to be able to hide this as well. Uh, and it was, a, it was a much more major back surgery. Uh, the recuperation was a lot more uh, noticeable. And so, basically, they had to talk about it. Um, and so, 1954, it's a dangerous surgery. Uh, it's dangerous enough that Kennedy had, he's Catholic, he had last rites administered to him. And wow. so, he prepared himself to die under the knife of the surgeon. Okay. Um, and by the way, uh, this is like the second, possibly third time in 1954 that he had had last rites administered to him. Right. Military. So yeah. So and like and then possibly a third uh, when he was uh, a child. Oh my god. And so he's not he's not even president yet, and he's already you know literally been you know if if the priest is administering last rites, they're preparing for you to be dead, yes. right? To make your peace with your maker, right? Yes. Uh, and and he's not even president yet, right? Goodness. So it really gives you a sense of just this was a lifelong thing. What was that nickname again? Two thousand. Two thousand to go, Kennedy. Two thousand oh to go. Yeah. Two thousand. <laughs> yep. Still doing it. Um, this this long complicated surgery, uh, you're not gonna be able to hide it from the public, um, and so they get ahead of it, right? And so uh, he actually publishes a uh, article in a in a popular magazine. Uh, the title is called uh, "What My Illness Taught Me." Okay, so same hmm. thing of like, you know, what's a way for me to spin this? We so can remind people that I'm a war hero. Uh, I can maybe appeal to other people who have been sick, and you know. It's better if I get ahead of it versus if I try to hide this, yeah. right? Um, in that, in the article, he uh, he kind of picks a gravy story. He talks about an elderly woman who had written a letter to him, who had implored him to keep fighting. Uh, and then Kennedy writes in the article that this woman, you know, inspires him uh, not only to recover from surgery, but to write his Pulitzer Prize-winning book, Profiles and Courage. Uh, guys, this woman very possibly could be real. There's no evidence of that, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, I think this is, if I had to guess, I would say this is just a very um, savvy political move. Yes, it's a PR uh, stunt. To not 
to spin the health concern a positive way, yes. right? Maybe they buy a copy of your book, right? Yes. Uh, by the way, the the his his famous book, Profiles and Courage, not a bad book, mostly written by one of his advisors. Yep. Um, right. So something that. Uh, was also hidden until I think like the 70s or 80s. Um, Wasn't there, uh, in our class, we learned about the famous White House correspondent, and her name is escaping me. Helen... Ooh, I I have her in here somewhere. But she didn't... Helen Hunt, maybe? It wasn't Hunt, that's an actress. Uh, But she she served all the way up until the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure she made a comment... Uh, that she wished JFK had a little less profile and a little more courage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I believe Eleanor Roosevelt said similar yes, things. Helen, er, Helen Thomas? Helen Thomas. Helen Thomas, yeah. there oh, we yeah. go. Okay, that was, you, that was Eleanor. It was Eleanor who said that. So Eleanor said that. And then that made its way back to... A little to, less profile, a little more courage. Yeah, that yeah. made its way back to the uh, Helen, White House correspondent. Helen Amelia Thomas, American reporter and author, long-serving member of the, the White House press corps. She covered the white house during the administrations of 10 yeah. u.s presidents isn't that crazy Kennedy to obama wow. yeah so that wasn't that wasn't helen thomas but still a shout out to her shout out to her for yeah, sure shout out. but the fact that eleanor roosevelt is is saying that and what's interesting about eleanor is when when uh less profile work <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's quite a diss from Man. her uh you know and and look like not only is she famous for her husband you know she had given what like over a thousand fireside chats herself yeah she herself was a public was servant. absolutely a celebrity, right? Um, and so that means a big deal. Uh, by the way, we talked about this on our last Kennedy episode. Um, despite the fact that she wasn't the hugest Kennedy fan, uh, on the campaign trail in 1960, Eleanor Roosevelt does come out to West Virginia, uh, which is kind of a that, that's a big primary. Yeah, it's kind of like now how like how you do in Iowa. Yeah, is like determines if you keep going or if you mm-hmm. drop out of the the primary race yes you know that was what west virginia was back then okay. she shows up and 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 supports kennedy and that's a a big reason why uh protestant a, a protestant majority state pick a catholic candidate um yes. partially because she came behind and threw her weight and you know the the west virginians Demo- democrats still loved her and uh, love, you know, the New Deal programs passed under her husband, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, kind of a weird part of that story. Yeah, it shows how people change. People do change, exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, John F. Kennedy narrowly misses uh, being part of the Democratic ticket in 1956. Okay. Um, famously, his dad had basically, like, warned him, like, this is not the ticket you want to be a part of, you know? Uh, and his dad was right. And so, Kennedy pursued it, but ultimately it doesn't work out, and had he been on that ticket, it would have hurt his future career because in 1956, the Democrats get absolutely crushed. Eisenhower is going to beat Stevenson uh, in a crushing. Here's the electoral vote count. 457 to 73 Wow! electoral votes. Way to go, Ike, our, uh, our, our local <sighs> That's hero. right. That's, yes. our, that's our Kansan. Yep. yep. Uh, grew up in Abilene. So we certainly claim him. Uh, so again, like you know, uh, he had done well uh, enough that by 1960, you know, uh, Eisenhower's had his two terms. Yep. You know, it's a fresh start, reset button. He's now one of the one of the leading potential nominees, yes. right? And, and that that's actually something you still see today, right? Um, I think about like Mitt Romney, right? How many times did Mitt Romney dip his toes 
into you know the the Republican ticket race. Doesn't win, does decent, right? And then finally, 2012, it's finally his turn, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the same strategy here of like, you know, he does not so well that he's on the ticket and then hurts himself when they lose, does just well enough that mm-hmm. it sets up the next cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. you got to get your your toes wet to see, you know, see how see how the ocean is, right? right. Exactly. You, you got to know when it when it's your time. Interestingly, uh, in 56, they had also reached out to Lyndon B. Johnson, um, who at this time is, uh, you know, Senate Majority Leader in the Senate, uh, at probably the height of his power, you know, in in the Senate. Uh, And they actually had proposed that LBJ is the president and Kennedy is the vice president, (laughs) which is funny because in 60, that's going to flip, right? Yeah, and and obviously we have hindsight, but you... I would imagine that would that would have been a much stronger ticket than the Adelai Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. Now, now Stevenson was I know certainly he had his accolades and yeah, he had his accolades. He was certainly a um, an idealist. He was a dreamer, um, and I think a lot of the I think you were seeing the Democrats grappling with the legacy of FDR and trying to find somebody who could inspire the American people in the way that FDR did, uh, and so they go for kind of the dreamer. Right, yeah. uh, but it's going to be painted in a very like Cold War focused mm-hmm. American public as uh, that's leftist, that's socialist, that's mm-hmm. communist, right? Um, and so that's part of the reason too. You know, think of like the Red Scare. You're still seeing the ramifications of that in '56, right? That's part of the reason why um, had Kennedy been on that ticket, it really could have damaged his career. Yeah. You know, he he could have been branded a, 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 a radical leftist, yeah. right? Um, and was, we won't talk, spend a whole lot of time on it, but but Kennedy Kennedy is a moderate Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know, he sure. he is not a radical in any any definition of the words. Um, you know, he does right before his death come out in support of like the Civil Rights Bill, right? Yeah. Um, but that was a long, calculated decision. You know, he yeah. did not. If he had ran for that in '60 openly, he would not have been elected. No, he certainly no. wouldn't have been. So definitely a moderate Democrat. I think we. Because we think of his lofty vision, um, we forget that his platform was pretty run-of-the-mill, you know. So in his in his time in the Senate in the Capitol, is there anything? What else happens to him? Is there any other major uh, in terms of like health? It's just so like press? it's just a lot of the same. So okay. he's still having problems with his internal organs he's still having stomach pain adrenal gland problem problems uh he's continually going on and off of steroids um especially when he's um when he's on like for he famously visits vietnam in the 50s as a as a senator right uh and interestingly he kind of writes about like it seems very prophetic. Like the problems that we experience in Vietnam are kind of what he writes in, in the early fifties. Right. Wow. Uh, but you know, though those travels, you know, you don't have all your stuff with you. Your staff is limited. And so he kind of goes from not taking steroids at home yeah. to taking a lot of steroids on the road. Okay. And just think of that, just that, that, uh, that pendulum swing on your body. Right. right. As your back is deteriorating, but you can't talk about it. You can't go and get treatment. You know, uh, when the press is following you in Vietnam, you have to pretend like everything's okay. You know, they might follow you into that hospital if you go into that hospital. Right. Yeah. And so just kind of that, that yin and yang 
of like having to be this popular rising politician while secretly in serious deteriorating health. Right. So that, that was just kind of just the whole period was kind of overviewed by that. Sure. Really. Yeah. I'm curious. And you might get into this, but are there any, is there any evidence of side effects of, that's a great you question. Know, his mental health. Cause you think about all the medications you see today, you right. know, there's always the disclaimer, you know, can cause depression, all this. Right. I mean, is there any evidence since he's taking so much medication in such high doses of depression, mental health, anything like that? Sure. I mean, I, I do think, you know, I think that compulsive need to womanize might be a crutch he leaned on, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, and in hindsight, it's so, like, there's things where, like, he and his wife go to a dinner party. You know, where there's like, you know, a hundred people. And he slips off two different times to sleep with two different women while his wife is downstairs, you know, playing charades. You know what I mean? Like it's this it's this it's it's a crazy compulsion, like that really existed from his you know, from his teenage years to yeah. the last day he was alive, right? Um and so I think that has to be maybe a sign of that. Um, mm. I didn't come across really anything of like depression when he was like a, a congressman or a senator. Um, there are times when he's in the White House where his uh, his wife asks one of his you know quote unquote doctors, a uh, doctor we call Doctor Feelgood, to basically give him um, uh, some a higher dose of amphetamine because he's uh, sad. So, mm. again, like, how sad is that just that day? It's hard to quantify what that means. But um, he, there is no sign, really, though, that his performance was affected by either his pain or his medication. But, like I said, like, when I read you his long list of medication while president, you're going to wonder, how is that possible for it not to have an effect? Yeah, right. you would assume there'd be some sort of side effects, maybe even possibly addiction. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, especially something with like um, especially with steroids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can certainly get it. And like, look, it's one of those things where it's like it's hard enough. Like, and like we still don't have the whole picture. You know, we don't have him without yeah. those medications because he's <laughs> right. always on. Him. Exactly. So we don't know from no an early childhood. I guess that just yeah. was the normalcy with him, right? That yeah. right. This is how I, he had always. I do acted, know uh, when he was president. You know. Uh, his younger brother, you know, Bobby Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, is his attorney general. He served his campaign manager in 1960, right? Uh, he wrote in his journal uh, that he was concerned his brother John would get addicted to amphetamines. Mm. Uh, didn't run across anything, like any signs of addiction, but just it was a regular enough part when he was president that uh, Bobby was concerned it could become a compulsion. Wow. Mm. So, But again, no, no evidence, no direct evidence, just, you know, was that written down in like a journal? In uh, Bobby Kennedy's journal. Okay. Another thing that Dalek could see, uh, but okay. couldn't like take a picture of, <laughs> sure. or or take a photocopy of. Yeah. So again, we owe a lot of this story to to Dalek. And with that, we are going to stop uh, with this episode. In our second part of this two-part series, we will start with John F. Kennedy as he seeks higher office, uh, as he runs for president in 1960. Uh, And we're ultimately going to go all the way through uh, 
his life uh, to the very end of his his presidency on that tragic day in uh, in Dallas in November of 1963 uh, through this lens of examining his secretly his hidden ill health. So uh, thank you for listening um, and we hope you stay tuned to our second part uh, that'll come out here in a couple weeks. Um, hey, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. Uh, tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, really, we've been growing, uh, and it just comes down to you guys listening and and letting people in your world know uh, where to check us out at, okay? So you're always welcome to uh, hit us up. Let us know what you like. Let us know what we got wrong. Let us know what we could do better. Uh, start a conversation. We love engaging in civil dialogue with people like you, uh, and we think that is a critical part of keeping our democracy strong. So uh, stay safe. Uh, stay sane and live the revolution. And I uh, hope you, you tune in here in a couple weeks for part two uh, of JFK and his health. Thanks, guys.